Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. You don't always have to like him. But you have to respect him. The Roy Green Show continues. The Roy Green Show continues on the Chorus Radio Network. Thanks for making us part of your Sunday, the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. Um, I want to read you a few lines from a Washington Times story from May the 4th from this past Thursday. An unclassified FBI study on last year's cop killing spree found officers are depolicing amid concerns that anti-police defiance, fueled in part by movements like Black Lives Matter, has become the new norm. Departments and individual officers have increasingly made the decision to stop engaging in proactive policing, said the report by the FBI Office of Partner Engagement. Uh, the report, Assailant Study, Mindsets and Behaviors, said the social justice movement, sparked by the 2014 death of 18-year-old Michael Brown at the hands of an officer in Ferguson, Missouri, quote, made it socially acceptable to challenge and discredit the actions of law enforcement, end quote. And, quote, nearly every police official interviewed agreed that for the first time, law enforcement not only felt that their national political leaders publicly stood against them, but also that politicians' words and actions signified that disrespect to law enforcement was acceptable in the aftermath of the Brown shooting. As a result, law enforcement officials believe that defiance and hostility displayed by assailants toward law enforcement appears to be the new norm. Most of the assailants who used deadly force against officers did so in an effort to avoid being taken into custody, but 28% were motivated by hatred of police and a desire to kill law enforcement, quote-unquote. And they go on to say that um, decriminalizing of drugs and shorter minimum sentences have also contributed to this anti-policing attitude that exists and is increasing in the United States, maybe in Canada to a certain extent as well. Just a few months ago in Toronto, a mob threatened two police officers. We've heard stories like that before. I want to tell you something. If you think it might be preferable to not have police around to uh, bother you with speeding tickets or making sure that we essentially comply with the law, you might want to try living in an urban area where their police are not present. And that happened uh, in Montreal when I was about 20 years old. They, uh, there was a police strike and there was um, disagreement with the Quebec government uh, the Montreal police and the Quebec government, the Montreal um, municipal government. And the city became a very dangerous place to be because the lunatics all decided they could do whatever they wanted to do. And there was nobody there to stop them. But eventually the provincial police came in and uh, to a certain extent helped out. But it wasn't pretty. So what's the situation in uh, in Canada Michael Elliott is the president of the Alberta Federation of Police Associations. 
and he joins us on the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. Mike, thank you for taking the time. Oh, thank you, Roy. I appreciate that. So now the United States, uh, the, the report says, the FBI report says, that anti-police defiance is the new norm. And uh, they're saying the police are involved now increasingly in depolicing. What's depolicing? Well, Roy, it's uh, ironic you bring up about depolicing because it's actually, uh, from my perspective, it's an Americanism for uh, police industrial action strategy, or in other words, like a workplace slowdown. And I do not, from a depolicing perspective, I do not see that here in in Canada, specifically uh, Alberta. But uh, what I do have a relation to, it's, we call it the FIDO syndrome. And FIDO syndrome, we call it like, forget it, drive on. And I, I can see that being very similar to what potentially could be occurring in the States, but on a very, very much smaller scale. So we've talked about this phenomenon, this FIDO phenomenon in the past, where Police have seen some, or they see something going on that uh, there's maybe a crime in progress or some something's taking place that the way they would normally be intervening, but they consider what the repercussions might be, and they decide it's not worth it. What may happen to us for intervening in this particular situation is not worth our intervening, and so forget it, drive on. We also have the situation in Chicago where a woman police officer, I think 18 years on the force, was being physically assaulted and she chose not to reach for her gun, where she had every right to do so, because she she was concerned about what would maybe happen to her as far as the municipal politicians uh, and maybe beyond municipal politicians uh, are concerned later on if she did protect her own life. That's not a good environment. That's not a good. That's not a good attitude. Not a good. Uh, uh, not a positive way to go to work if you're afraid. First of all, you're afraid for your life, and you're afraid that you will not be backed up. That's not a good uh, good way to start your day. Uh, no, it isn't, and uh, I, I, I truly feel for that officer uh, when she had to go through that uh, horrible incident. Um, but I, I can say, for, for from a Canadian perspective, we have oversight here that helps uh, protect some of our members as well. And to give you give me an example, because I know the FBI indicated that that specific um, call you were referring, the officer informed the superintendent the officer chose not to shoot because the officer didn't want his or her family to have to go through the scrutiny the next day in the national news. Now, if Today, for example, there was a shooting in Calgary. Uh, we have an independent body called ACER, which is an Alberta Serious Incident Response Team. That's an independent um, body that takes the bias out of investigations. And also, when there's an investigation of such as a shooting, the officer's name is not released to the public. And that's to protect the integrity of the investigation and also to, um, we got to realize that when a member involved in a, a serious incident, the stress that that member has to go through, one, to unfortunately take a, a person's life, but now you've got to, they don't want to go through uh, a public scrutiny and potentially uh, internal and external pressures from media, uh, people on, on Twitter, et cetera, et cetera. So that's something we have to be concerned about here, but I, I, don't, I don't see it as being the same phenomenon that is occurring mm-hmm. in Canada compared to the United States. Now, I've had people call this program, and they've uh, expressed, particularly when we were talking about police actions that resulted in violence in the United States, uh, I've had people call this program and and, and express real dislike, real dislike for police, police officers individually and collectively. And uh, and we've also, there have been examples, Mike, where, at least where I felt that politicians on the municipal level in some provinces 
have chosen the path of least resistance, and when a police officer has required backing up by a municipal official, the municipal official hasn't been there to do it. In fact, the municipal official has done exactly the opposite. Yeah, that's and and my personal opinion on that, it comes down to the person's integrity on what doing the right thing for the right reasons. And as a police officer, that's what we're supposed to go by is our integrity. And I challenge all politicians to follow their integrity as well for doing the right things for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I also, too, we've got to look at the United States, too, has a different idea. It's like I, I can look when this was released, this article was released from the FBI talking about de-policing. Uh, one article out of Baltimore just talked about they had 100 homicides at the, by the end of April. And, like, that, that number is staggering. And, and I think about what weapons are available to the average citizen for an American to a, obtain compared to what a Canadian could obtain. So our, our rules and regulations are, are quite are quite different. But one thing I've got to get back to, you talk about the Ferguson effect. I find the influence of social media plays a major, major factor in changing uh, or influencing the ideas and perceptions of police officers. Because as we know, if you state something over and over, perception can become reality. And that's, that's something that we have to be cognizant as police officers and, um, and members of, of government that we have to be proactive as well. And no longer, I think, are those days gone by. If an incident occurs, you hear the comment, no comment. Because when you have no comment, it allows other people and agencies to go to fill in the blanks for them. So we, we have to be, yes, we have to protect integrity of files and investigations. But we also have to realize that in today's social media and, and the thirst for information, we have to help educate and provide the correct information to the public so they're aware of what's occurring so they so people don't jump to conclusions yeah when i've talked to police officers in this country veteran police officers who've told me they can't wait to get out because of the attitude that seems to be growing and it's it's there's a public attitude they feel the police are disrespected more and uh, and, and disregarded more uh, by the public, and they don't, again, feel like they're getting support from their superiors, sometimes even the superiors in the police department. And it worries me when you have a 20-year 20 20-year police veteran who says, I can't wait, or 19-year police veteran says, I can't wait to get out because it's not the kind of environment that I can function in anymore. That's yeah, concerning. I, and, and Roy, I, I have to uh, agree with you there. I know uh, officers that feel that way, and not just the 20-year members. I know members that are in the 10-year there as well. Um, I think what it comes down to is that and it, you do get that feeling you don't have the support, not necessarily the public support, but sometimes you get the feeling you have the internal support. Yeah. Um, too often um, we have, and I'll go on, like we have the recent Jordan decision, right? It indicates um, serious criminal matters must be uh, concluded within 18 months or there's potential that that charge could be dropped. Right. Well, the problem that we have with some members as well, they get into internal uh, police act discipline matters. And I have examples from my hometown here of Edmonton of members waiting nine years for a conclusion of a police act complaint. And if that occurred in a criminal setting, like it would be unheard of. So the, the internal stressors upon police officers is, is quite uh, prevalent from, from a police act perspective. Yeah, and we've had situations, Mike, where uh, individuals who have been convicted of 
or at least uh, maybe not convicted, but they've been waiting uh, on trial, waiting for a trial for second-degree murder, for manslaughter, and because they weren't brought to trial quickly enough, according to the Supreme Court ruling, they walked. Yes, and uh, it's it's very frustrating, and uh, it, it's well. It's not only frustrating for the police, but it also has to be encouraging for the criminal element. Well, definitely, because I, I think not only are the police officers working hard to uh, conclude and bring somebody to justice for that crime, you've got to look at look at the victims that are also influenced by this. So victims have been going through this for years and years, waiting to get justice on, on their family members, right. only to see uh, a criminal walk. And that, to me, it gets back to where our, the government has to ensure that the judicial system is taken care of so we can take these people from from day one from when a crime occurs so you go through the full criminal um, trial to ensure we have public confidence and, and and justice prevails in the end yeah I uh, I'm going to conclude with this I, I doubt that it's only in the United States that Fido happens I would imagine that in Canada as well police officers will look at a situation and they'll decide whether or not it's worth Worth it? Not worth. Whether whether it's whether it's the smart thing for them to do to intervene. Yeah, it's um, and, and policing definitely has changed. You talk to a, a twenty-five year veteran to somebody who was uh, five years on. Um, today, everybody is out there. Whether it's Twitter with a camera taking video. So, I, I just want to pass off before I conclude here that regardless of what occurs, police officers will always be there to protect the, the public. Regardless of what comes out in social media, um, I know I, I work in an environment that's uh, very political, very fluid. It's in the entertainment area of, uh, of the city. And you have to be cognizant right now of what's occurring around you. And uh, I, I do thank you for your time on this, and I wish we had more time to continue. Well, we'll, we'll, talk, about it ag- we'll talk about it again, Mike, I'm sure. I, I was, after that Dallas massacre of the police officers, I was thinking the next day, it must have been very difficult for police officers to go to work. Maybe not even so much because they felt compromised, but because their family members might say to them, don't go anymore. It's time for you to stop. That's because, true. Out of fear. That, that is, is very true because we're, we're so integrated with the United States that regardless of what we do, from trade to um, programs, so whatever occurs in the States, it right. may not affect the citizens and police officers in Canada immediately, but it, it it will happen because we just look at the drug trade. When drugs occur, you get a new drug introduced to, to society. Right. Generally, for the most time, it occurs in the States, and it slowly moves its way, creeps up into Canada. Yep. And I do have concern that the FIDO or deep policing may occur in Canada. I don't think it's there, not now, but I know it is occurring, yep. and it's slowly creeping this way. Mike, I thank you for the time. We will speak again. Thanks so much. Thank you so much. Mike Elliott is the president of the Alberta Federation of Police Associations. The police associations represent the street cops, the police officers you come into contact with. My number is 1-800-263-2428, 1-800-263-2428. Could I ask for current or past police officers or somebody with an association with police to call in? I want to just see if we can just, just restrict it for a few minutes to current or former police officers to call in and share their thoughts about what it's like to be a cop today. And, and, and are we headed to 
a place where we don't want to go, where police do engage in FIDO, forget it, drive on, where police don't want to become engaged anymore in what's happening because they have concerns for themselves and for their families. 1-800-263-2428. If you're a cop or a former police officer or a family member of a police officer, give me a call. We'll come right back. 